Just a quick heads up, The Holy Hive Show does contain adult language that may not be suitable for sensitive listeners and children. Welcome back to The Holy Hive Show, a show about Utah and things that are uh, interesting to Utahns, the good, the bad, and ugly, things that blow. The good, the bad, and the windy. Yes. Um, I'm your host, Jordan Delacruz, with me today, the producer of The Holy Hive Show, Dan Lawler. Dan, what's up? Hello. Uh, It's been a crazy week. You could say that again. It's been a crazy, crazy week. Tell me about it. Uh, How have you been dealing with everything that's been going on the past week? Oh, uh, I'm mostly just, you know, I mean, I had it pretty easy. Yeah. You know, my power went out for eight hours. Um, I only had one downed power line and one tree blocking the exit to my building. So it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But, you know, just hanging out, kind of living life normally. Yeah. It's just another, just another wrench in yeah. this whole year, <laughs> but it, it's not, it hasn't been the worst. It's, it's, it is surprising to me though, that a, a windstorm did more damage to our city than an earthquake. Truly. Yeah. It's insane. Um, I kind of got lucky. The apartment complex that I live in, uh, in holiday didn't really get hit too hard. Actually, we were really happy that we got the windstorm because our AC was out and it was hot the days leading up to the windstorm yeah. and then it got pretty cold during the windstorm. So we were loving it. Other than just kind of like the howling mm-hmm. that like right, right outside our window, you could just hear it howling pretty loud. Um, but the next morning, I think, was it Monday night? Monday it, night really into Tuesday up? morning was the, yeah. the banger as that, it were. Yeah. I, so like, I remember hearing it all night and I slept okay, but like I would wake up every now and then and hear just howling. And then I woke up and driving to work, driving from holiday to downtown was insane. I passed Liberty Park and it literally looked like the last scene of a Godzilla movie. Yeah. Like I I didn't know that wind could do that to like yeah. to uh, gigantic trees. Huge trees. Yeah, and yeah. it didn't seem like I woke up as well a few times throughout the night like damn this is this is some wind. Yeah. And uh it, like it just didn't seem that much worse than some of the other quote unquote wind events that we have had. Mm-hmm. Um but apparently I was wrong and it was much yeah. different. Yeah. And it was much more powerful because, yeah, I think there are still, today is Monday, September 14th. So it's been about a week since the event. And there are still thousands of people without power in Utah, my girlfriend included. Poor it's Annie a- and Marie Loader. Shout out to them. They listen to the podcast. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. Hopefully they can charge their phones and listen to it again. True. <laughs> you know? True. Um, That's but- the only big change in my life is that I now have an mm-hmm. office mate that is not a cat. It yeah. is another human being. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I, th- I think uh, other than that, though, we'll get deeper into the whole the whole uh, the wind event. Uh, but other than that, yesterday NFL came back. It did, and it felt normal again for a second, for a brief moment. I woke up, got went to went to the Bjorn's Brew, mm-hmm. got a coffee, did some work on my computer, and watched Sunday football. Yeah, it was, it was nice. I slipped right back into apathy pretty quickly, <laughs> and then snapped right back out of it. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) um, so yeah, let's go into news. And the first thing that we're going to talk about is just everything that's been going on with this huge windstorm that happened. Um, so as far as a city reaction to, to the, the, the wind devastation last Wednesday, governor Herbert declared a state of emergency after touring the neighborhood of Rose park and assessing the damage done by the windstorms that hit Utah last Tuesday. 
This declaration allows access to certain federal funds to help Utah uh, Utah back on its feet after the storm leveled thousands of trees and left over 170,000 homes without power. Um, According to the National Weather Weather Service, the Wasatch Front experiences one or two isolated storms like this every year, but it's rare for it to be of this magnitude and this widespread. Mm -hmm. So we've seen that like stuff like this happen every now and then they do like road road signs and they wind event tonight, you know. So we're not, and I think people that live around the mouths of canyons along the Wasatch Front experience yeah. it pretty a lot, a lot more often. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was just completely insane, and um, I noticed on Twitter as this was happening, there was a lot of, and maybe it's just because of the times that we live in, everything so has to be so politically charged. But a lot of people yeah. were kind of blaming local leaders for like the damage that had been done. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like you, like I saw a lot of people saying like you should have been prepared for this. And I wasn't prepared for it. No, neither personally. was I. And we kind of knew it was coming. I found out, well, I mean, I found out like three hours before it really started ramping up. Someone told me that I needed to tie the trampoline down. Yeah. So. And there's, I think those are the things that like personally we can kind of do to prepare. Like, yeah, you got to tie your trampolines down or tie things that, mm-hmm. I live in an apartment, so I don't really th- anything outside yeah. that needs to be tied down. I exactly. noticed that our recycling bins were all over the parking lot though. That was really? not the worst that happened. My bike stayed standing up perfectly oh really i thought i was gonna fall over for sure no. but it just stood nice stronger than the just the, le- it's leaned <laughs> up against a rail it's 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 more resilient than the uh towering trees of liberty park that's right um but i'm like i'm tr- i was trying to think is there anything if we know that this is something that happens on a yearly basis and now we know that it has the potential to be extremely destructive is there anything that we can like do to prepare for this I have not looked into this one iota, but I did see a Salt Lake Tribune comment suggest that we move our transformers and other power supplies underground so that they can't be affected by toppled trees. Is that Was that kind of like what was going on this, this week? I have no idea. I know, I, I know. I saw a lot of power lines. Yeah, there's definitely downed yeah. power lines. I'm sure that some transformers were, were damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the downed power lines are probably the biggest Yeah, the biggest issue there. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure otherwise. It's just like it's, it's wind, you mm-hmm. know. The damage was done by trees, and I think that mm-hmm. trees are pretty cool. Yeah, so we got to keep trees around. We can't, we can't just cut can't down just all the get trees. get rid of trees. Um, yeah, I, I, for, as far as the tree damage goes, I was thinking about... Do you know when you like are driving out to like, let's say you drive, you're driving to Colorado or you're just taking I-80 from Utah through Wyoming? Yeah. As along the freeway, there's these fences mm-hmm. that kind of, I think they're there to cut the wind a little yeah. bit because it's a very windy area. Keeps semis from blowing over and stuff like that. And I, I had a like, couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. Se- yeah. Semis getting blown over all over the freeways. Um, and I-, I was like, is there something that we could do as far as that? Like if in these kind of, because I think... Now I'm not like an expert, but I'm I'm thinking that people that are kind of used to studying this type of the, these types of weather patterns mm-hmm. can kind of pinpoint where the damage is going to be the greatest. Yeah, because it's all all has to do with the mountain. It's coming off of the mountain. Yeah, and we know that um, neighborhoods that are kind of in line with the canyons kind of get more of that wind more often. So I was like, is there something, some kind of barrier that we can temporarily stake into the ground in certain parks and stuff like that? I, I like to think about solutions. And when I saw people kind of criticizing local leaders for not being prepared for all this, I was like, is there something that we could do? And I'm just like, as far as the trees, I'm not sure if there's anything just kind of like yeah. kind of roll with the punches. I think that there is some legitimate, you can, you can levy some legitimate complaints towards 
state officials and mm-hmm. city officials and county officials, I think, in terms of the cleanup and how it's been managed since. And I don't even – I'm not saying that I am making those uh, those accusations, but, like, you could. I don't understand how, like, you're going to come at, you know, Governor Herbert about, yeah. you should have stopped the wind, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's not an airbender. Yeah, I think I think the, the, the tweet that I saw was geared at uh, Mayor Mendenhall, uh, well, Salt Lake City Mayor. And it's like – I mean, this happened all over the the state. It's not yeah. her, it's not her fault, you know. Yeah. Um, but as far as the power too, yeah, I think that's a that's probably a good idea. Finding ways to protect transformers from things like this. Mm-hmm. Power lines. I mean, it feels like I, I don't know if power lines are like still the most productive way to get power throughout the city. It seems like we should have updated that by now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like what. 1800s technology yeah, for, for sure yeah it really is yeah <laughs> i mean i don't know is there an electric electricity cloud maybe more than anything maybe we just really need to start investing into solar power power you know yeah. solar power solar panels mm-hmm. um that sort of thing you know if i had if if there were people that had solar panels on their house they might be mm-hmm. with power and and maybe maybe the uh the demonopolization of the power yeah that's a bit concerning to me as well yeah just the whole rocky mountain power of it all yeah it it seems like one of the biggest reasons a lot of people are still out of power is because there's so much work to be done by Mm -hmm. a very small group of people exactly i saw something like 250 people are in the field is what they said Mm -hmm. like rocky mountain power currently has 250 people in the field but you're servicing 170,000 people without like they're at at its peak there was 170,000 people without power yeah and so, you know, that's, I don't know, that seems a yeah. bit small to me. Businesses. I know it's not like one yeah. person per household. Like, that's not how it is. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you get the people, you know, you're getting bigger, mm-hmm. bigger areas. And usually the repairs that they deploy can cover multiple places. Yeah. You know, it's more like, a, you know, parts of the grid. But still. Um, yeah, but still. I looked into this a little bit, and I found kind of an interesting uh, op-ed from 2017 in the Deseret News. Mm-hmm. It was written by uh, Ethan Dursteller and Michael Giberson. Um, it, and in it, they're quoted as saying, uh, the reality is that Rocky Mountain Power has a state-protected monopoly on electric power covering nearly all of Utah. This one-size-fits-all electric scheme owned and operated by the utility doesn't value the diverse interests and values of people throughout the state. A regulated monopoly is not the only option, and other states have pioneered ways to allow more consumers to get more of they of what they want from elect, the electric power industry. So apparently this is something that happens in a lot of states where there's yeah. just one company that's kind of covering everything. Mm-hmm. But a lot of companies have kind of broken that up, and now you can buy power like a cell phone plan mm. where you're getting it from certain people, you know. Yeah. And I think that, that helps kind of spread the responsibility a little bit For more sure. so it doesn't fall on, on one person. Yeah. It's weird that that this is state protected because I mean, if you wanted to, I mean, if we're free market capitalists, mm-hmm. then we should, you know, have other companies that I know that thing. certain municipalities in town, you know, I know bountiful has their own, their own power company. Mm-hmm. Like I know uh, our friends, the Roman children were completely unaffected. They just have their own yeah sort of power company going on in bountiful. So, and there's some other towns, but yeah, for the most part, Rocky but Mountain like, Power. Salt Lake Valley is just, yeah. yeah. It's okay. and I don't know if that's how it always was. I'm not sure, but I, I seem to remember like when I first started renting way back in the 2010 area. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was. 
I think I, I think I might have had more choices, but I could be wrong. Maybe it was always just this way. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if this thing com- becomes more like more normalized, like I, I don't know if it's because of the changes in, in, in climate that are causing the winds to be stronger or if yeah. this is just kind of a freak occurrence. But if this becomes more normal, then I think we're going to have to think of solutions to figure it out because, man. That was nuts. <laughs> it was nuts. I will say, we. I wonder if we've already broken the record for most state emergencies in a oh, year have to, like right? we've had we had the earthquake which was like, all right we're declaring a state of emergency we have yeah. the pandemic that's a state of emergency multiple got, states of emergencies yeah, <laughs> and we've got now we've got this uh notorious wind event yeah which Watch, is now it's gonna be the, the blizzard that just we're gonna have literally supposed like, to be the farmer's bureau says that it's supposed to be farmer's bureau like the farmer's almanac whatever the hell it yeah. is <laughs> <laughs> they're saying it's supposed to be a very snowy winter so maybe maybe it's coming Bring it on. We're, we can't, we can handle anything at this point. Roll with the punches. Let's go. This next story comes from Lee Davidson at the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, Mike Lee wants to excuse religious institutions from LGBTQ discrimination rights um, to promote adoption services. So uh, the Joint Economic Committee, chaired by Utah Senator Mike Lee, issued a report Wednesday saying that his bill exempting faith-based organizations from LGBTQ anti-discrimination laws could help boost Foster and Adoption Services. The report states that religious institutions have been forced to stop adoption services because state laws force them to place children with same-sex couples, which goes against their religious beliefs. Um, In the uh, report, it says, it's difficult to know for sure what the effect of losing faith-based adoption and foster care providers has been, but it's likely to be substantial. Yeah. That's some real facts-based reporting right there. (laughs) That comes from the report. That didn't come from the the trib. That came from the actual report that they released, that that, that Mike Lee released. Uh, What was your reaction to this when this came out? I was mostly grossed out by it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, As I typically am when it comes to anti-discrimination laws being done away with because of a church of any sort. Um, Or generally Mike Lee in the news. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whenever whenever he's in the news, it's kind of like, yeah. But okay, I'm gonna read this and take a shower. <laughs> exactly, but yeah, just mostly just kind of saddened by it for the most yeah. part, especially because it sounds to me as if these religious services or these religions are kind of withholding their adoption services specifically for this reason. Like yeah. it's almost like throwing a bit of a tantrum, yeah. And then oh, we're gonna get our way, so we can now we'll open up. And so I think like it actually mm-hmm. will make a marked difference, unfortunately, because. If they've all like kind of closed up shop and now that they don't have to, you know, follow anti-discrimination laws, then they're going to open shop back up, I guess. Yeah. And if you look into the the report that they released, it is about grants and tax money going Mm -hmm. into these types of places. And I think that if you're an organization that already has tax exemption, Mm -hmm. you don't have to pay certain taxes but you want money from the government to fund your, you know, adoption services or whatever, then that money's coming from LGBTQ citizens. Yeah. Like that comes from everyone. So if that's the case, Taxes if you want, don't discriminate. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a whole <laughs> another podcast. Um, so Mike Lee says that these, these anti-discrimination laws infringe on religious liberty and First Amendment rights by forcing churches to abide by these laws, and 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 um, they they need in order to access grant money, they need to be excused from these. But like those are LGBTQ citizens paying for this. Yeah, it's and and the other problem with what he's saying is 
no one is saying that they can't have adoption services mm-hmm. and that it, like if they if the LDS church which I think was mentioned as one of the churches that have kind of stopped they stopped in 2014 I read okay and it wasn't they didn't actually cite LGBTQ issues yeah. uh, it was just like changing culture which I mean yeah I guess you can that was around then. You well, know. I mean, that's on the heels of everything yeah. that was going on in the Supreme Court in 2013, exactly. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess you could connect Odd timing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, like, no one is stopping these organizations from, you know, doing adoption however they want to. Mm-hmm. But if they want government money, you have to, like, like liberty and justice for all is part of that. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Cue the uh, proud to be American, proud to be an American music. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, like it's just it's it it does it's 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 whiny, and I don't think the intention here is is really to to increase adoption services yeah. because, um, honestly, if their if the church's priorities were to find homes for foster children, mm-hmm. then I don't think that would matter. But it does seem like there there are other motivations behind having a church run adoption service. Yeah, you know. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty gross and it does feel just entirely like at the end of the day, it's more unfair to the child that needs, that needs the family. And it does, it does, it's kind of funny that on one hand you're like, don't get an abortion. People Mm -hmm. will adopt that baby. Also, we're not going to help you do that because we might have to give it to a, a gay person. Yeah. It's just. So yeah, I know. <laughs> I who is not, I'm not a parent, but I mm-hmm. just kind of think if you have like love and you've got like patience, yeah. which I feel like you need a heaping helping of, and yeah. just like good communication, like that's all you need to raise a kid. Two yeah. moms can do that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, no, yeah, yeah, and I, I, I mean, that's probably the the problem that a lot of these organizations have is they don't think that that's the case, yeah. and they they have this very traditional idea of what a family could be. And honestly, if you give, and and he did cite in the report an organization from Arkansas, I think that isn't held to the, those anti-discrimination laws. Yeah. And I went to their website. I can't remember. I think they're called the call. Oh, it's an adoption service, but it's a church run adoption service. And it does seem like all of their motivation is getting Christians to adopt babies, which increases their membership. Yeah. It's so it doesn't seem to me like the intention is every, no child left behind, you know, it's it's like, let's get those membership numbers up. And this just kind of feeds into that. And it's like, again, at the end of the day, if you're taking tax money that comes from LGBTQ citizens, Mm -hmm. then that has to include everyone. Yeah. That's just at the end of the day, that's the only fair way to do it. So, yeah. Um, Good on you, Mike Lee. Just an upstanding citizen. Also, he was this, 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 this was one of the two news stories continue, that Mike Lee made headlines with this this week. Did you see the other one? What was it? The Supreme Court one? No, it was uh, so three. It was him just publicly complaining about KSL. <laughs> he said that KSL is way too liberal. Oh, wow. And he said KSL is too liberal and that the church should, should sell them. Wow. <laughs> Can't please everyone, Mike Lee. Um, yeah, what an, what an odd fellow that man is. Anyway. Don't have to, <laughs> to ponder on Mike Lee too long. Uh, next story. This one comes from uh, Courtney Tanner at the Salt Lake Trib. Uh, Salt Lake Police Department were they were involved in in the shooting of a 13 year old boy with autism. 
Uh, the 13-year-old boy was running away during a mental episode last week, an encounter that came just hours before a new policy took effect requiring officers to try de-escalation first when responding in most cases. The shooting occurred when officers were called to a home near 500 South and Navajo Street to help with what they've also called as a violent psych issue. A mother reported that her young son allegedly had allegedly had made some threats uh, to some folks with a weapon. The department... The department stated, um, the boy took off on foot at about 10 p.m. and the police followed. During that pursuit, one officer fired his gun and shot the boy several times. It's unclear what happened before that, but police um, have since said that there is no indication that a weapon was recovered from the boy at the scene. He has been been identified by his family as Lyndon Cameron. According to a GoFundMe post, he was hit in the shoulder, both ankles, intestines, and bladder, and he remains in the hospital in serious condition. So if you want to chip in for uh, the costs that that family is going to have to deal with following this. You can find uh, Lyndon Cameron's GoFundMe post online or GoFundMe page online. Um, and as far as that new policy about de-escalation, it states uh, de-escalation tactics are no longer suggested or preferred. They are mandatory prior to using force to the effect of an uh, effect an, to affect an arrest unless it would be unreasonable to do so. Um, so, I guess it was just a coincidence that this policy was coming down the same night that this happened. Yeah. Um, but I don't want this to turn into another angry rant about police officers because God knows we have enough of that going around right now. And it's obvious that it's angering and upsetting. This whole thing is, but I just want to like focus on solutions and I'm of the opinion that our city can't function without a police force. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not one of those people that are like, like we don't need police officers at all whatsoever. Um, I think that's obvious if you're kind of taking a logical approach to how a city is run. Um, however, I do think that police forces are vastly mismanaged right now. And I think it's unproductive to say that any of that fault falls on one single officer, you know? Yeah. So I just want to talk solutions. Let's start with this like de-escalation law. Do you think this is a, the correct approach? Y- yeah. In, in theory, I do think it is. I was reading through the actual... Um, executive order that mayor mendenhall sent down and pretty much every single bullet point has the words um you must use de-escalation and then the words that appear in almost every bullet point are unless it is unreasonable to do so and there is no follow-up or descriptor or anything for what unless it is unreasonable to do so means Mm -hmm. and so like there's not going to, I don't think there's going to be accountability with that. That's where know? the gray area yeah, is. Yeah, the gray area is is too vast for me personally. Kind of um, like the reasonable suspicion thing. Yeah. You know? And I think that, at, at you know, at the end of the day that we have to take the guesswork out for them. If yeah. that's, if this is how it's going to be managed, there should be zero guesswork and there should be, mm-hmm. you know, a list of bullet points stating these are the reasons or these are the, the reasons why you could use force, you know, there, mm-hmm. but there, that's not there, you know, yeah. so it doesn't feel like enough to me personally, Yeah, but it's, a, it's mm-hmm. fine in theory. And, and that's, that's kind of like what a lot of the arguments, like the kind of pro police arguments are coming from is like, if you don't want this to happen, then follow the law. Well, that's very vague. And. He was a 13-year-old autistic boy. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, but when it comes down to the situation where it's a cop and a, 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 an alleged perpetrator, yeah. the the law can be 
subjective at that point Mm -hmm. until it goes to trial. And then that's when we get objective with it. But in that moment, sort of, you know, yeah, sort of. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I agree. I think, I think that to, uh, if you're, if you're going to leave it on, on the term reasonable, mm-hmm. um, reasonable, like aggression, then like we have to define what that is or like a reasonable reason for uh, ag- aggression. Um, I think cops are trained to f- get to that reasonable suspicion to that point of reasonable suspicion. So I think that requires cops kind of agitating people, poking at people until people show their hand. Yeah. Like they know what to look for when they pull someone over and they're they're They have a suspicion that someone might be drinking or they have, they might have drugs on them and there's things that they can poke at to get them to show their hand. And then they can go a little farther, a little farther, or they can trick someone into like allowing them to search their car, you know, and stuff like that. And people, there's been lawyers that have started YouTube channels to train you on how to deal with cops when you get pulled over. Um, and I think de-escalation reverses that approach and honestly like i think the like for things to work you kind of have to give the citizen reasonable doubt like yeah there's going to be um people that are running drugs there's going to be people that are driving drunk but most people aren't yeah so you have to start there and then work your way out from there um but again i yeah i don't think it's it's the end all solution um and it in this article it did mention that there's some updates to body cam policies mm mm-hmm. And that they're going to be stricter. And I think that also is, like, essential. A lot of this, and I don't mean, I know, like, I don't want to turn this into a heap on either. But, like, a lot of this, it's, a lot of this reads like stuff that could have been enacted in 1964. I know, yeah. Like, it's way overdue. Yeah. Why, like, Mm -hmm. oh, now we're going to make sure that your body cam is on. The thing that is supposed Mm -hmm. to hold you accountable regardless of any situation. Now you have to have that on. It doesn't make And body cams have been a gigantic uh, point of contention with the whole Brianna Taylor case. Yeah. Like that. And see, so that, that's something cause that's evidence, you know? Mm-hmm. And honestly, like I think in the media and with the stories that we've been like looking at um, this year with police brutality, we look at body cams as the evidence to um, absolve or bring justice to the victim when Really, they could be also like just as much protection for the police officer too if they're doing their job correctly and yeah. something goes down that's, you know, a little sketchy. Like that, exactly. that could protect it could protect them too. But along with that, cops should be severely punished for breaking those policies. Yeah. You know, when something bad happens and you don't have the body cam evidence when you should have, then there, there should be punishment that comes with that. And I just and, think, sorry, go ahead. Well, and usually that something bad that comes with that is death. Like it is yeah. the death of a person. Yeah. So like, it's not like we're talking about if I worked at McDonald's and I like dropped a walkie talkie into a fucking fryer. Yeah. Like it is, it is life or death stuff yeah. that we're dealing with constantly. Yeah. And it just doesn't often get treated with that sort of severity i don't think yeah and again you have a lot of people saying well just you know follow the law and it's like well it's so easy to say i know yeah it's just the easiest out there are quite a few people following the law that are still mistreated Mm -hmm. last month there was the the video that came out the body cam video that came out of the the cop sicking the canine dog on the man that followed all instructions yeah and so i mean whatever you know the the deck is stacked in in one side's favor, mm-hmm. and that's just well, the way it is, I guess. Unless yeah. we can 
bring upon substantial change. But like this isn't like a Salt Lake City issue. No. It is a Salt Lake City issue, yeah, yeah. but this is a issue in mm-hmm. every state and in most towns in every state. You know, this is yeah. And I, and I think I think like you said earlier, like is this something that we should have just been doing thirty years ago? Yeah. But and and yeah, it's a nationwide thing, which I think kind of goes to show that you know some parts of the country are known for having more instances of racial prejudice than mm-hmm. other parts of the country but we're still experiencing this thing kind of nationwide yeah and i think it just kind of goes to show that like the way we train police and the way that not only the way that we train police but all of the responsibilities that we put on top of police just need to be rethought and yeah. reorganized because i think again so we what in this specific case what we have is someone having a mental episode mm-hmm it's not someone holding someone hostage in a house or anything like that. And at the end of the day, I think a cop's job, and, and I'm sure there's going to be cops listening to this going, you don't tell me how to do my job, but like I, taxpayers can have an opinion, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think a cop's job is to take someone who's been accused of a crime and bring them to the judicial system to figure out whether they've you know made that crime, committed that crime. And I think we give them so many more responsibilities that should just be given to other types of professionals mm-hmm. and that maybe police forces shouldn't just exist or be made up of, as of police, you know, it shouldn't yeah. just be police officers. Like in this specific case, it almost feels like there should have been some kind of psychiatrist or some kind of social worker mm-hmm. um, involved in the, the situation. And that doesn't mean that like a police officer can be involved. Like you, you should almost have a social worker take into the situation with a police officer being like the last line of protection. Yeah. But yeah, I just think that they, we, we rely on them for too many things and that we need to start finding different professionals to handle different things. Like they're responsible for like the homeless crisis and they're responsible for managing like the drug crisis. They're responsible and, for like evictions. Yeah. Like if someone gets evicted, the yeah. cops, you know, it can't be someone like from the city. That's like a, like a, like a civil worker. Yeah. That's supposed to handle those types of things. Because in a, it's, I know that in their design, cops are not necessarily meant to elicit fear or maybe I've just kind of fed into the propagandist machine. That is, I don't know if you have looked at like police department, social media pages, but kind of big yikes in my opinion. Dude, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, just it's, like, Hey, look cringy. at us handing out stuff to our community. And I mean, yeah. cool. But I can't remember the last time I saw a, co- a cop car when I'm like driving or any situation where I was like, thank God. Like I, yeah. feel, I feel safe. I'm yeah. constantly just tensed up anytime I see yeah. a cop car. Yeah. And the, 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 I, I think I've said this before, but like the, the social media handling of police departments is super cringy because they often promote not acts that are like good or like, or, or or like feedback from people with like actual concerns about things. It's mostly like you have, I guess what, what <laughs> more liberal people would call bootlickers. Yeah. People that are just, you know, unanimously supportive of the police, no matter what mm-hmm. um, they, they'll promote those opinions. And that's almost taking it to a political level yeah. when really you should just be listening to everyone and what everyone has to say, but they'll kind of look at, Oh, look at these nice citizens really appreciate the police. So they brought us lunch today. And yeah. all this, you know, it's such a, or look at these kin, this kindergarten class wrote us notes and it yeah. says, you know, we're so happy that we have the police department. It's like, okay, now you're kind of ignoring, even if they are criticizing you a whole section of the people that you're supposed to be protecting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I agree. It's cringy. 
Um, yeah, so I think this is something like I I have I, I'm positive. Like I have I, I'm hopeful that like we can at least on a community level figure this out. I don't, I think we need to focus less. Obviously, we want to promote social change everywhere, but I think if we focus on our community, then we could figure things out faster. Um, anyway, to wrap this up, yeah, I think um, I think we just kind of rely on police for too much, and that maybe the idea. I mean, like they've they I've I've heard recently that they're having trouble recruiting people to police uh, departments. Like people just don't want to sign up to be police anymore, and so they're like having bigger sign-on bonuses and stuff like that for people that they don't want to get into the police academy. And it's like maybe the answer isn't more cops. Maybe it's like we should figure out different professionals that have a place in the police force. Just a better allocation of resources, Mm -hmm. you know, and more, more, I'll come back to this anytime a conversation comes up, but like the difference between the amount of hours it takes to become a plumber in Utah. Yeah. And then the amount of hours it takes to become a cop in Utah is 3,168. That is the amount of hours you need more. That is the amount of more hours you need to become a plumber than a cop. Yeah. That's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I just think it's, yeah, it's, it, we just need to rethink the way that we police. And again, I'm not, I've never, I don't have any professional experience as a police officer. I know police officers. I've actually had great conversations with police officers about things like this, but like overall, I think it's a culture thing. It's a, it's the culture of how police, police departments are managed. And yeah, like you said, with the, with the social media, the way that social me- police department social medias are run, it does seem like it's starting to get more political and the people running those organizations do have a stance when it shouldn't be like that. And yeah. I think that's when the state needs to like step in. <laughs> All right. So uh, Utah is kind of moving out of the, uh, the, 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 the orange status of COVID. We're getting into yellow. We're starting to get a little looser. The rest of the country is too, except for like some, like California and New York, which are probably like screwed for the next year. <laughs> well, California is on fire, so yeah, California's on fire right now as well. <laughs> uh, but you know, things are things are looking. I mean, aside from this windstorm, things are looking up in Utah. And I I'm I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, stuff that uh, something that we could look forward to, which we haven't been able to do lately, which is travel. Um, I don't know if I would. I'm, I'm eager to get on an airplane. No, not particularly. Soon. I'm not eager. No. If, if the if the situation are called, you know, mm-hmm. if I if I had to fly somewhere, I would do it. Yeah. I know quite a few people who have flown. Yeah. And so it seems it seems weird to me though at this point. Yeah. Like I'm with you. Yeah, and I don't. I, I, it's kind of tainted air travel f- for me in this weird way that mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever get over. I know I'll have to eventually get on planes. I mean, we'll we'll see how the next nine months goes. That <laughs> 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 we might be living in a totally different world. But for now, we can look forward to at least. Car travel, yeah, and safely, you know, that's 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 socially distant. Let's um, take a ride. So I want to talk about uh, day tripping, and uh, I thought it'd be fun to kind of look at uh, different places that we like to travel near Utah. So we're we're gonna choose and talk about three day trippable places, and what I kind of define as day trippable is somewhere outside of Utah within twelve hours uh, driving distance from Utah or Salt Lake City. Um, so somewhere that you could get to in a day's drive. Comfortably driven. Yeah, comfort, comfortably driven. No, no cross-country stuff. Just like kind of very accessible stuff nearby. Um, so, I mean, this isn't like a list. This is just kind of a loose conversation about places that we like. Yeah. Um, so uh, 
Let's start with one that you've got. Um, my first one that I wrote down was just Bear Lake. Okay. Uh, you know, it's half in Utah, half out. So okay. I guess technically it, qual- you're always it, looking to poke holes in, in the rules that I have for these lists. <laughs> I'm, I'm a rebel at heart. Yeah. Okay. Bear Lake. Uh, so, you know, what's Bear Lake got, they got jet skis and they got sunburns mm-hmm. and it seems like everybody I know has a cabin up there, but never wants to let me stay in it. <laughs> but, but that's a, you know, it's an all right drive. Yeah. I think it's about two hours, maybe a little over two hours. So it's a bit too long to be considered a quick drive. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit too quick to be considered a long drive. Yeah. So it's just right, in right the middle there. there. Yeah. Where it's like just bordering on my butt's numb. Yeah. So. Yeah. Are not you too bad? Are you a lake guy? Do you like I lakes? I do like lakes. Yeah. Yeah. Bear like Lake boating. is especially pretty at times, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It can get really nice up there. A I'm, boat is nice. Yeah. I like a boat. I I've not been on yeah. many boats. What about like water sports, jet skiing, water skiing? Also fun. Yeah. I've, I was never privy to that sort of stuff too often. Yeah. I've only, the only time I've ever been on jet skis was at Bear Lake. Yeah. So maybe that's why it just immediately popped to mind. I yeah. was like, oh, that sounds fun. Let's, I, let's wave run. I like wakeboarding. Yeah. And I, I, but I, I saw this video last year of this guy that was wakeboarding and he dropped the uh, rope uh-huh. and it bounced off the off the water and then went up and, and went over his head onto his yeah. neck. And luckily he kept his balance and was able to take it off. But I was like, what would have happened if he would have fallen in that decapitation? Rope? It had to have been, right? And now I'm like, can I ever go wakeboarding again? Like I just have that fear. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like I like a lake trip. I don't know if I'm like super into like boating, but yeah. I love I love a beach and I love a cabin near a beach. Yeah. And I like a I like a fire near a beach. I like know? all of that too. The boat and I do like boating. Don't even get yeah. me wrong. I like I like being on a boat. I just am not friends with enough like rich white Republican guys. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have <laughs> as many opportunities yeah. to go on boats. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my first one is uh, Boulder, Colorado. I was gonna go with Denver, but um, go a little more niche. Yeah, I think a little more niche, and I think. I love a I love a city trip. Uh-huh. I, I love a, I love exploring a city and and the culture that a city has to offer. But I went to Boulder a couple of years ago and I had a blast there. And it's like they have great Airbnb options and usually mm-hmm. like it's a very kind of hippy dippy yeah. area. And we stayed in this Airbnb that was on this property that had like three other Airbnbs and they were like all in this big circle and the people that owned it basically lived out of this like house connected to this huge garage where they did like yeah. art. So they had like an art studio there. Um, but Boulder's a really cool, like little town. It's got some, some good pubs and stuff, places to see. But like, if you drive a little bit outside of Boulder, um, you can go to Estes park, which is this little town kind of on the edge of Rocky mountain national park and Rocky mountain national park is also very beautiful. Uh, we were able to check that out too, but Estes park is also the home to the Stanley hotel, which is the inspiration for Ah, the shining. Yes. Yeah. Not where they filmed the show. Yeah, Shining. that's somewhere in our uh, Oregon, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's in Oregon. Yeah. But it's uh, But it's the actual hotel. Yeah, the actual hotel where they've they, there's been reported hauntings and stuff gotcha. like that. And I believe Stephen King lived in Boulder for a while and that's nice. kind of where he got the idea for it. Um I actually I wasn't able to <laughs> I, I'm so dumb. I, I like we went to Estes Park and it's like a really it's almost like a little park city type town, uh-huh. you know. Um and they had this like like whiskey tasting going on Ooh. there. And they just like, there's a bunch of people around. It's just like one of those things, one of those places where something's going on yeah. everywhere. Um, and then we went to the park and everything like that. And then we left and 
I was like doing some extra reading about Estes Park, and that's when I found out that hotel was there. I was like, damn it. You could have <laughs> had a time. Yeah, so I'm going to definitely go back to Estes Park and check out that hotel. I love it. Okay, what's your next one? It's a it's a three three part combo breaker because it's all kind of the same trip. Sure. So Island Park, West Yellowstone into Yellowstone, mm-hmm. and so this is great for people who like cabins. Seems to be the theme of my uh, of my list is L- cabins. Love a little isolation. I do like a cabin. Uh, there's so much to do in that stretch. You know, mm-hmm. if you're just staying in Island Park, you can hang out and just float the the Henry's Fork. You can mm-hmm. you can go to Mesa Falls, which is just an incredibly beautiful waterfall. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to travel 30 minutes into West Yellowstone, you can go to the Slippery Otter. Love the Slippery and, Otter. Yeah, I love the Slippery Otter as well. Great burger, great beer. Um, if you're afraid of bears in the wild, you can go to the bear exhibit, Mm -hmm. the wolf and bear exhibit in West Yellowstone. That's pretty fun. And so, you know, just lots of great, great offerings there. And then obviously just Yellowstone. I mean, I love Yellowstone personally. I kind of want to share the story about the slippery otter that time that we went. Share it. (laughs) They're not going to get banged. No. Yeah. So no one, I mean, this is, this is the slippery otter being really, really cool. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, don't, don't call them out on, on, on social media or anything, but, uh, this restaurant we went to, we went to, uh, Yellowstone a few years ago, just kind of a boys trip, me and Dan and his younger brother, Zach. And, uh, we ended up eating at the slippery otter and, uh, Dan and I were of drinking age, but Zach was not and just a couple months out, just a couple months out. It wasn't like a big deal. Um, but we were like, okay, let's just try this thing where we're going to order food. We're going to order a pitcher of beer and ask for three glasses. And if they are insistent on checking all of our IDs, just say you left yours at the hotel and that you're fine and you'll go without beer. And um, so we order food and we ask for a pitcher and three glasses. And Zach's like gearing up for this spiel. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they checked. Did they check one of our IDs? I don't think they checked any they of them. They checked any I of our we, IDs. We went to reach and it was like, no, no, no. No, yeah. He's like, yeah, you're good. And then I mean, at this yeah. time, it should be stated <laughs> that Zach had like friendly mutton chops as a 20-year-old. and yeah, looked yeah. like fucking yeah. a 36-year-old Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, so. he has like an insane beard going on. And it just worked for him. So uh, we, he was able to hang out and have it, a couple beers. It was a nice time. It was, it was, all, it was all good fun. It, wasn't, it was. We, were, we weren't trying to be like insidious or anything like that. But yeah. But that's the vibe that you go for when you go to like places like West exactly. Yellowstone. It's just like smaller town. Mm-hmm. Everyone's chill. I think we the coffee shop that we went to every morning, there was a guy that was from Sugar House that like yeah. ran it. And yeah. he was like a really cool dude. We ended up talking to him like every morning. And that's like my jam is just yeah. places like that. A little was, small place. You can mm-hmm. walk anywhere you need to go. And then you just go into Yellowstone. It's like an entirely different world up there. Exactly. Um, okay. My next one is kind of adjacent, just s- south of Yellowstone. Let's go. Uh, Jackson and Teton Village. Love them both. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been going to Jackson since I was a little kid. It's a it's a place that was like kind of an easy weekend trip that we'd go yeah. as a family, and it is kind of touristy. And I think that turns off a lot of people. But mm-hmm. I kind of like kitschiness. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm like I like Disneyland, and that's just kitsch out the ass, yeah. you know, <laughs> to like this insane level. But like these kind of little kitschy tourist towns, like they literally have like a, a Wild West gun show in the uh-huh. middle of the street. Uh, the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum is there, which a lot of people would probably roll their eyes at, but I I'm love, not sure I knew that was there. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. I, I love like a roadside attraction. Like, yeah. I love, like even it's like, if, even if it's crappy, I'll st- I, I still love it. Um, great barbecue, great barbecue, good barbecue there. Yeah. You can find good food there. Um, most of it's pretty walkable. So between the bars mm-hmm. and the shopping, you can just like get a hotel, walk around all day. It's pretty fun. Um, and it's not far from a bunch of outdoorsy stuff to do, uh, as well. Like Teton national park, I think it's like 12 miles yeah. north. And Teton Village, and uh, 
I remember one time we uh, went to Teton Village and rode the gondola up to the top, which is almost worth the trip all by itself. That yeah. range is insane. It's really, really cool. Is. And my dad was like, let's, uh, let's hike down from the top. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like we were just, everyone else was like, nah, uh, we're just going to ride the gondola back down. He's like, all right, shouldn't be taking you too long. And we just like sat at the bottom forever until you see my dad, like, <laughs> like kind of jogging. Yeah. Kind of jogging doing down the, the down hill, mountain jog, just like out of breath going, get the car. <laughs> <laughs> and, I love uh, it. Yeah. It was, a, it was a kind of a fun memory, but Teton village and the Teton national park is really, really awesome up there. Um, so yeah, what's your, what's your next one? Just the Grand Canyon. Classic. It's not It's not a canyon. It's a Grand Canyon. The grandest of canyons. The grandest of canyon. And, you know, you can... There are quite a few options at the Grand Canyon. You can go to the North Rim. You can go to the South Rim. You could go into the actual canyon. You know, there's... It's just a beautiful place. Can you, can you like, ride a donkey? I don't know. Into the Grand Canyon? I've only I been there twice. You know? Would you do the Skywalk thing? Would I do the Skywalk thing? You know, have you done it? Uh-uh. You know what it is, right? No. It's a giant like uh, like walkway okay. that extends over the cliff uh-huh. quite a ways, and the whole floor is made of glass. Oh, that's sweet. So you walk on. Yeah, I would and do you that. Can, like look down. Yeah, that sounds like that. fun. Yeah, tons of cool stuff to do at the Grand Canyon. Um, when we were when I was moving to Utah from New Mexico, mm-hmm. when I was in second grade, we stopped at the Grand Canyon. That was the first time I ever went, and it was like this place is nuts. Yeah, and my mom <laughs> was just like so scared of everything. Uh huh. And. This is one of the oldest stories. Like I've heard my dad tell the stories a million times, uh-huh. but he was just, it was just me and him out there, like kind of past the fenced area where you're supposed to be cautious. Yeah. And he's just like flinging me over the edge. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and we, we get back up to the top and my mom is just like bawling. Oh and no. Just terrified. And these poor ladies were like, Look at that crazy guy out there. And my mom's like, that's my husband. <laughs> Amazing stuff. And so is that where your love for the Grand Canyon comes? You got the best view of all. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> you don't need, even need the skywalk. You just need your dad to pick you up, hold you over. <laughs> Truly. Um, all right. So my last one is uh, Montana, specifically Butte. I will say Montana. You can go and there's a ton of places in Montana that you can yeah. drive to. It's pretty drivable from from Utah, and it's an extremely beautiful state. But the reason why I like Butte, and you probably, a lot of people from Montana would probably argue that Butte's not the prettiest yeah. part of Montana, but, like, the reason why I love it. It's got um, a cool personality. It's got, it's that, yeah, it's the personality, you know. I think it's a gem of a, of a, of a town to spend a weekend in. Yeah. Um, especially if you can plan it around two events that I think are in, like really cool up there. They're folk festival, mm-hmm. which is like a, a festival where they have a bunch of like tons of bands and stuff. They set stages up all over the downtown and you can walk around from stage to stage. And the, um, it's, it's just, it's not like, it's not like a, a lineup that you would see at like Coachella or anything like yeah. that. It's, it's, it's more kind of regional folk music, but sometimes they get like these kind of cool bands in there and it's just a good time. It's a good hang. And again, like, they have no, their drinking laws are so relaxed that you can go into a bar and they'll ask you if you want your drink to go. The true wild west. Yeah. You can get shots in plastic cups and then walk over to the park and take shots with your friends. Like it's Just so on a relaxed. Swing set. I love it. Yeah. And they're, they're, they have a huge Irish population cause it's a mining town. It's like mm-hmm. historically a mining town. And so their St. Patrick's day celebration is insane. Off the um, chain. Yeah, so it's another great place if you have nothing to do. And St. Patrick's Day is like one of those things where you're like, what are we going to do for St. Patrick's yeah, Day? Yeah, dye some beer green, I guess. Yeah, like who's going to a parade? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think, how many, how many episodes have we just 
shit on parades now. <laughs> like True. parades are wow. not fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like one of those things, like if you, if, if you have nothing to do for St. Patrick's day, just drive up to Butte and like spend a weekend there and you're going to have a blast. And, that does sound like a good time. And then besides like kind of the festivities and the, the super relaxed drinking laws, like there's a lot of his, history up there that I'm way into like prohibition era crime. Shit. Yeah. Like there's some like Dashiell Hammett novels from the twenties that are about, you know, cities and mobs that are like in these small cities and they're all like they're inspired by butte because there was like mining unions and and weird shit going on interesting yeah and so there's a lot of that weird history like there's some speakeasies there and and like these really old historic buildings um and so i love all that stuff and there's this really dope mansion that they have up there called the copper king mansion and um the guy who basically made all of his money on copper up there built this gigantic elaborate mansion with uh-huh. only a single week's earnings. <laughs> like oh, he was really? making that much money wow. at the time. It was insane. But we went and toured that and they still have all the original furniture and all this like weird, creepy stuff. And cool. Um, yeah, dude, it's, in, it's insane. The, I've the never been are, to be, it sounds, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Though. It's a, it's a really fun little town. And um, not to mention there's because of the mining and because of all the chemicals that go into mining, there's this giant toxic water pit oh. out there um, that you can actually, they have tours for. You can do cannonballs? <laughs> no, you can't. You'll like birds land on cannonballs. Yeah. yeah. Birds will land and like float on there and then just die. Oh, like it's that toxic. It's wow. insane. And it's, it's so bad that like, I, I, it's been a couple of years since I've checked in on, on how this issue was going, but <laughs> the, the, the water level was rising to the point where it was like getting to like groundwater level uh-huh. that could start seeping into the groundwater because it was a giant pit yeah. that just filled with water. And because of all the chemicals that go into mining, all of that just kind of seeped into the water and it turned into this giant toxic pit. And now the water levels are getting so high from the mining pit that they're like, in danger of like seeping into to yeah. groundwater. So I got to check in and see how that's going and, and how they've handled that. And again, this sounds like pretty sketchy stuff, but this is like <laughs> shit that I love. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan's pick for his favorite day trip is somewhere. It's just an Irish mining town with a toxic pit. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's great. Butte, Montana. Butte, Montana. We've got toxicity. Yeah. And again, like I remember one of my favorite memories from Butte, Mike, I've actually have some cousins that live up there uh-huh. and that's how I was kind of introduced to Butte. But like, I was, we went up there for the folk festival and, um, we were watching this band and we were meeting up with my cousins and I hadn't met up with my cousin Colin yet. And he, he shows up with his kid and I have a beer in my hand and he's like, what are you drinking? And I can't, I can't remember what I was drinking, but I was like, Oh, it's this beer. And he's like, Oh, let me show you the good beers. And there's a grocery store literally the next street over and yeah. you walk into the store. So I'm like, hold on, let me finish my beer. He's like, no, you should bring it in. I was like, what? I was like, this is an open container. And he's like, no, just come into the grocery. We walk into a grocery store and I have a beer in my hand that I'm drinking. To and we, get more beer. He's got his kid on his shoulders. <laughs> I'm like, this is so sketchy. Like being from Utah, <laughs> this would never fly. And we walk in and he's like, okay, you want this beer, this beer, this beer. He's like, these one, these are the good ones. And we just buy more beer. I literally am like holding my beer with my elbow, tr- shuffling through my wallet to pay at the check stand. Amazing. <laughs> He's like, dude, you could walk into a police station with your beer. They're going to do anything. I'm like, it's cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, Butte Montana is awesome. Any, any, any other kind of just like side thought places that you like to go? I was going to put little America, but I thought you'd slap the shit out of me if I did that. So <laughs> What's I'm, the obsession I, with little America? It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. There are like 16 billboards from the moment you hit Evanston to the moment you get to little America, which is like 
40 minutes mm-hmm. that are all like, come try our ice cream. We've got 79 yeah, cent ice cream It's cones like the saddest pitch for a vacation. And a playground. They're like, you can eat soft serve by the pool yeah. in the hotel. <laughs> Great huckleberry taffy, though. Yeah. And then, like, I'm mostly just proud of us, both of us, for not putting Vegas. I, like, I'm proud of us. For yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shit drive, and most of the time, it's not the greatest hang. I, I had kind of m- mesquite on the back burner. Yeah. And this is super, super personal. Like, I it's mesquite's not something that I would tell people, like, oh, you got to go to yeah, mesquite. Yeah. Um, but it's a fun time. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun time. And I honestly kind of like that vibe a little bit more than, like, Vegas, where it's, like, it's just so much. Yeah, I totally agree. And the stuff that I like about Vegas is kind of less of the uh, kind of – Kind of bougie, and glamour. yeah. The kind of yeah, the strip stuff. I kind of like the old Vegas type stuff. Yeah. And Jordan just wants to smoke in a building. Yeah, I just want to smoke <laughs> in a building. That yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that's uh, that's freedom, you know. Yeah, but you can do that in Mesquite too. Exactly. I don't know that's if you exactly can anymore. What I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you can smoke a cigarette inside. Actually, I, with the COVID stuff, I think oh. I think they've kind of changed. Wow, for one brief moment. Yeah, I forgot about COVID and Mesquite. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, Mesquite, I, I think, is is a fun little hang uh, if you are just going with some friends to, like, kick it. Like, we've been to Mesquite on these, like, little golf yeah. trips. Like, if you're if you're, if you're you're into golfing, then it's awesome. Um, but there's some casinos down there that have, like, really fun pools. And if you're just, like, into, like, day drinking and just kicking it, it's, like, not a bad place to it's hang out. It's a wonderful I like, place I like to the, hang out. I like the desert. And um, I remember this is another, like, little story. I used to live in St. George, and I did radio down there. And, um, we had like a company trip down to Las or down to Mesquite mm-hmm. where we went to the Virgin river casino, which is not the nicest of casinos yeah. down there. And we had dinner at the restaurant there. And then we went bowling, like our whole te- our whole, all the employees at the radio station, we all were there. And, uh, my buddy, John Smith, who's now a, a DJ over at Arrow, um, we were sitting there bowling and, uh, they have the TV monitors above the bowling lanes. Yeah. And there's a monster truck rally going on on the TV. And John Smith, he, he's sitting there and he turns to me and he goes, ah, hanging out in Mesquite, bowling, watching monster trucks. Pretty sure this is what giving up on your dreams feels like. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, got to love Mesquite. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for the Holy Hive show today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for supporting. Be sure to uh, check out holyhiveutah.com. Follow us on Twitter, Yeah, which we now have up. Twitter. We uh, actually had to change our handles. Buried the fucking lead. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we got Twitter up. We, so we originally what happened is we, we took the handle Holy Hive Utah. And then for no reason, like while we were just kind of planning out our content strategy and stuff, like a month went by and we hadn't posted it and our account got locked. Yep. And I've literally sent dozens of emails to Twitter trying to get it unlocked and have gotten no response and no sign that they're ever going to unlock that handle. So we just changed our Instagram handle and Twitter handle to Holy Hive UT. So it's now Holy Hive UT. Sorry for the confusion. If you look up Holy Hive though, it's going to pop up. It'll pop up eventually. Yeah. Holy Uh, Hive UT. Holy Hive UT. So follow us on Twitter. Check us out on Instagram. Visit the website, holyhiveutah.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Kiss your mother. All all that fun stuff. Kiss your mother. Tie your trees down. Tie your trampolines down. It's going to get crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Moving forward. I thought hurricane season was over. (laughs) All right. Uh, We'll see you next week. Uh, Love you.